back uh, on One True Podcast, talking Baylor and Big 12 college football. Uh, with me in person is John Werner. And uh, I struck out in terms of getting a West Virginia guest, but we have even better in person as well. Our friend and colleague, Mr. Chan Conine. Well, you know, I'd like to say this is the first time I'd filled in when somebody from West Virginia couldn't make it, but no, just kidding, it is the first time. Okay. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> no, so like, um, I was thinking about it. Uh, John Denver went to Texas Tech, like I did. Yeah. And he wrote Country Take Road. Country Roads, yes. Mm-hmm. And so maybe it's somewhat appropriate for me to, you know, be sitting in for the West Virginia. And yeah. he he wrote that song. The story goes that he wrote that song and he'd never been to West Virginia. Ah. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And now it's the song you, you associate. It in, I believe it yeah. is their state song. Is it their state song? It is their state song. And uh, obviously the song that they sing at every football game. Okay. Okay, well. But we'll get to that a little bit. Well, um, I will say John Denver's spirit lives in West Virginia. Okay. Yeah, okay. I, I buy that. I All buy right. that. And yet his last name is uh, a city in Colorado. Yeah. Is that a stage name? Yes. Is okay. it like Duchendorf or something like that? <laughs> I'm serious. Yeah. Ah, yeah. All right. Yeah, John would like know. That. Yeah, to know. there you go, our music <laughs> uh, trivia for the day. Uh, so guys, after Baylor's initial games with uh, um, Old Miss, Louisiana Tech, and Houston were all punted due to COVID, uh, they did finally get a game in this past week against uh, Kansas, a conference game. Um, so... They Bears took care of the Jayhawks in that one, forty to fourteen. It was, uh, you know, thoroughly uh, dominant, certainly in the second half. Um, so, on a scale of it's just Kansas to that was a thoroughly impressive win. With you know, it's just Kansas being zero and impressive win being ten. Give me a number. Where do you put this one? I'm going to put it about eight. Okay. I thought it was a pretty impressive all-around performance. Uh, you know, the offense got better as the game progressed, even though they were down three starting linemen. Uh, the defense came up with four sacks. Uh, you know, everybody kind of wondered if they could get any pressure on the quarterback, but they did. And their special teams were off the charts. Yeah, no question. Two, you know, two uh, returns on uh, kickoffs for – Ebner for touchdowns. Uh, John Mayers had a 47-yard field goal, and uh, Isaac Power had a 34-yard punt that pinned Kansas at the one, and two plays later, Terrell Bernard uh, sacked the QB for a safety. So that's pretty impressive special teams. Excellent special teams mm-hmm. play. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, John Mayer's body is a wonderland. You had to go there. I dreaded. The, the, I was trying to figure out another John Mayer song to put in that spot, but I couldn't. I couldn't. What, what's your number? Well, you know, I think this is an appropriate place to, to mention why I'm wearing a Kansas City Chiefs hat today. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's in tribute to our, our friend Kristen Hoppe, who passed away last week. And Kristen was a big Kansas Jayhawks fan. Um, and Chiefs. And, and she's she's fan, yeah, yeah, and no, she been she and her husband went to a Cubs game on their honeymoon. Nice. Oh, he he was yeah. a Cubs fan. He was a Cubs fan. Yes, okay. she was a Royals fan. Okay, yeah. all yeah. right, all right. Well, um, so 
but I think Kristen would tell you as much as anybody that the sport that matters in Kansas starts in two months. Mm. This is true. Exactly. College basketball. Right. And so I'm not going to go COVID as high. COVID willing. What's that? COVID willing. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. But in, in any, any year, the sport that matters sure. starts in yeah. October, November right. for Kansas. So I'm not going to go as high as Johnny Wynn. I'm going to go more towards the it's just Kansas. Because I watched the second half of their game against Coastal Carolina, and they were awful. Um, I don't. I don't think their quarterback Johnson is his name. I think Daniels. Daniels. Okay, sorry. I can't even get his name right. So that's on me. But um, he just nowhere close to Big Twelve standard in terms of being able to move an offense. And so because of that, I'm going to knock it back to a five and a half. Okay. From an eight. I, I'm sticking more with John on this one, um, and it, it is hard to gauge just how. Um, how much this win means for Baylor because it is Kansas. And so that's why even though Baylor thoroughly dominated in three phases of the game, I can't give them a 10. I've got to knock off a couple of points because of the Jayhawk factor. Mm -hmm. But uh, the fact that they were so complete in each area, um, you know, it was impressive and a good sign moving forward for Baylor. Um, you know, uh, anytime you do something that hasn't been done in school history, I mean, that's a big deal. And the, and the two kickoff returns for touchdowns had never been done. Mm -hmm. The other thing Ebner did uh, that hadn't been done in Big 12 history was score a touchdown three different ways in the game, rushing, receiving, returning. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I think I wrote a column about Ebner early on in last season where I talked about, you know, um, him being a really special player and I could see, you know, that they could use him a lot of dynamic ways. And I felt like they still kind of used him more in a platoon setup, you know, mm -hmm. with Lovett and with Jamichael Hasty. Well, now Hasty's gone. They do have uh, Squirrel Williams, uh, who's a, an excellent third back. But I think they've got to find ways to get Ebner the ball in space because mm -hmm. he's a special playmaker. You know, when I think about Baylor doing things that have never been done in school history, it, it kind of I kind of think back to like 2006 or 2007, whenever it was, when winning a Big 12 road game qualified as something mm -hmm. that they've never done We've come a long way, history. baby. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. Uh, so Baylor's first road trip of the year, uh, as we did sort of previously allude to, uh, takes the Bears to Morgantown. John will be up there. Uh, but the couches won't be burning, and the country roads won't be taking anybody home because everybody's <laughs> going to be staying home already. Um, for the first time, there will be no fans in the stands in Morgantown. You know, given how much of an advantage, a home field advantage, West Virginia's had over the years, how much is that a benefit for, for the Bears? I think it at least helps some. I mean, their their fans are right on top of you there. It's a real compact stadium. So uh, I, I think they make a difference. And really, anything would help the Bears going there. They're 0-4, their first loss <clears throat> uh, when West Virginia joined the Big 12 in 2012 was 70-63. to Yeah, crazy game. Their last loss, uh, West Virginia scored... 58, but Baylor did not score 63. <laughs> so uh, far less. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, it's got to help some. 
yeah, of course, it's it's a difficult trip. It's a long way. It's in the East Coast time zone. So, you know, those are always maybe tiny factors, just going there. But I think, yeah, just uh, not having any fans there will, we'll, you know, take off some of the, some of the edge, you know, that uh, teams might feel uh, w once they get there. Well, you know, um, on the counterpoint to that, I've heard a rumor that while there won't be any fans in the stands, they are going to allow Bob Huggins to sit on a <laughs> stool on the sidelines and just ride the referees the entire game. So it'll probably be a tougher game. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. even though college basketball is still a month or two away, as you mentioned, you mm -hmm. are in, like, full, salty college football <laughs> basketball fan mode, you know? You well, are ready. You know, if only they could, they could bring the basketball team over to tackle for them. <laughs> Oh. They'd be they'd be even better off, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and they always play physical too on the basketball court. Yeah, that's what so I'm saying. They, they have pretty good tacklers on the basketball exactly. court. Yeah. yeah, well, no doubt, no doubt. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm kind of with John on this. I feel like um, it's certainly a benefit for Baylor because uh, you know you you always think of home field advantage as. A, a field goal to touchdown advantage. You mm -hmm. know, I mean, uh, you're going to get – sometimes you'll get some calls that kind of go your way just because you're at home. That certainly happens in mm -hmm. basketball. Mm -hmm. um, and and then that fan atmosphere, as John talked about, those West Virginia fans are rowdy. I oh, mean, gosh, yeah. Really rowdy. I mean, mm -hmm. they're, they're probably Texas Tech quality. I mean, uh, so, you know, that's a compliment to both. I, I mean, that's what you want in a, in a student fan base. Right, I mean, I always, and I've always said instead of tailgating, they have still gating. Yeah, S T I L L. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, they get a little uh, lubricated by the game time. <laughs> it seems that way. <laughs> Can we say that uh, on the podcast? You know what? I'm just gonna ride this one out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on. So, as far as the conference overall, Big Twelve's been. Something of a mess, would you agree? <laughs> you yeah. know, I, I don't, I mean, I know where you're going with this, but I still maintain that this is a season of scrimmages. But continue. Okay. <laughs> uh, it, it's been a little chaotic, um, and it's hard to, to decipher whether it is COVID-related mm -hmm. or whether it's just the conference falling flat on its face. Certainly there have been some games where the team that, was favored to win, did not win. Um, and the latest of those being uh, the Oklahoma Sooners. They lose to Kansas State for the second straight year. Now, last year, the Sooners rebounded from that game, uh, rebounded from that loss, and, and make it all the way to the CFP, right? Mm -hmm. So my question is, can they do it again? I think it's going to be hard, but, I mean, it can be done, but – Everything is just so wacky this year. I, I think they'll probably lose another game. Mm -hmm. um, I, I mean, the games are they're pretty unpredictable because you know you you have a play, as someone who is predicting the games as somebody <laughs> who's already missed a lot of picks. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean, you never know who's going to be in practice. You know, mm -hmm. kind of day to day. Yeah, you know, a lot of guys in quarantine. Uh, the contact tracing that keeps a lot of guys out. So. Because of that, I think it's harder to prepare and uh, just makes uh, everything wackier. 
Yeah, I, I totally agree. You know, you mentioned the term falling on your face, and, and I'm not even sure it's possible to do that right now. Mm. Because, I mean, and I know, I know fans t- turn on the game, and it's just a game to them. It's just a normal game because they care about it and they're watching. But, I mean, honestly, I mean, we haven't, we haven't given a fair run-up to the season in terms of spring ball and summer work. I mean, they had summer works at workouts. But then, you know, so much uh, depends on being able to play some bye games, get your feet under you, see what you look like, you know. And, and so, consequently, you got a situation where Kansas State had arguably the worst loss of the first week. Mm-hmm. Arkansas State. Right, because, I mean, Coastal Carolina beating Kansas, that was nothing new. It happened last year, right? Right. Um, Louisiana, that beat Iowa State, Louisiana's bowl team last mm-hmm. year, mm-hmm. you know. But I, but I, don't, I think I think that Arkansas State loss for Kansas State was, you know, as as bad as any of them. And then they turn around and, and go into Oklahoma and win. And and that's another that's another thing. When you get to play a road game this year and then cycle back to your home game next year, that's an, that's an advantage. Yeah. And I, and it's not. I mean, this year doesn't matter that much. But you get to basically skip a year of going to play in front of. However many thousand people in in Norman, Oklahoma. Right? That's a, that's a great point, yeah. honestly, because uh, you know one of the things that John and I talked about a lot of times with Baylor specifically this year was that whereas the schedule broke in the Bears' favor last year, it kind of breaks the other direction right. this year. Right, going to Norman to Austin, uh, maybe not so much because mm-hmm. of the the limited fan situation. Right, you know? I mean right. that might may all even out. Uh, I have a lot of questions about what the CFP is even going to look like mm. um, because we have so many conferences starting at different points of the season. You know, I mean, uh, the Big Ten will start here in a little while, the Pac-12 after that. So I, I'm confused even on how that's going to look. But specifically related to the Sooners, I do think they could win, lose another game, as John uh, said. And yet I still think they might could make the Big 12 championship game even with two losses. Uh, I don't think that would necessarily put them in the, the college football playoff. I think the Sooners uh, look like similar vintage Sooners of recent years in defensively where they've been vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Uh, but where they've been able to make up for that is with that high-powered offense with usually a Heisman Trophy contender running it. And this year they have a guy that maybe he'll be a Heisman contender one day, mm-hmm. but uh, he's a fresh or not really a freshman, but he's he's that rookie right now. And he threw three picks in that loss to Kansas State that looked pretty bad. Talking about Spencer mm-hmm. Rattler, right? And when you look at an offense like Oklahoma has, and you look at the way that game developed, because when I turned it on in the fourth quarter, it was thirty-five twenty-one Oklahoma. Kansas State was about to score, but it's thirty-five twenty-one. And, you know, then I also watched the Texas Tech-Texas game. So, you know, and this, there was a situation, a situation where Texas grabbed all the momentum and scored two touchdowns with an onside kick, in, you know, in the middle. So that, that Texas Tech never really got the ball back. Oklahoma did get the ball back, I think, three times with a chance to reassert itself by driving down the field and scoring more points. And they weren't able to do that, and, and that's um, – that, doesn't bode well for their offense. Now, knowing Lincoln Riley and knowing, you know, how things usually pop back for the Oklahoma Sooners, they might get that fixed and it might be, you know, running along just fine after a while. But the fact remains, they had chances at home to reassert themselves in offense and weren't able to do it. Yeah. Uh, so 
let's turn our attention to uh, OU's Red River rival, mm-hmm. uh, the Texas Longhorns. Um, Texas won a wild overtime game at Tech. Uh, so sorry about that, Chad. Time to bring that up. Hey, my stomach has settled out. Okay. <laughs> Back to regularity. Uh, Texas looked destined a lot of times in that game to lose it. Um, And I think, honestly, in a lot of years recently, they would have lost it. Um, And yet they pulled it out uh, somewhat inexplicably. So my well, I can explain it. It's not uh, inexplicable. Okay, well, they recovered an onside kick. All right, but let me ask my question. On the ropes, and they recovered an onside kick. All right, oh, Shannon yeah. Sharp. Let me ask my question. Uh, <laughs> Chris Wallace. Could uh, ooh, well could uh, Tom Herman's team be the best in the Big 12? Well, I, I'm going to jump in on this one first, Johnny, if you don't mind. But yeah, yeah. I, I, maybe, but, I mean, you mentioned the game the other day that, that they – you said that there were several times when it looked like they, they might get beat. And to me, it was just like Tech was the better team – for the third quarter and for 12 minutes of the fourth quarter. And then all of a sudden they weren't anymore, you know. Um, so wouldn't that suggest that Tech was going to win? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like there was a time in the fourth quarter when it looked like Texas Tech was going to win the game. Right. Um, you know, obviously COVID factors, road game, uh, you know, season of scrimmages is what I call it. And all of that comes into it. Uh Sam Ellinger is is the X factor, I think. Mm. I think he might be the best quarterback Texas has had since Colt McCoy. Yeah, I yeah. think that's true. I don't think there's much question. I don't I don't think um I don't know. I mean he's still got some proving himself to do like consistently over the course course of the season, but you know, when it came right down to it, he found who his hot guy was and he threw the ball to him over and over and over and they made the plays they needed to make to win the game. The other guy it was a huge factor, and that was Dicker the kicker, hmm. because mm-hmm. that onside kick was was well done. It was it was hot enough to bounce off somebody, and it was angled correctly to where it didn't just fly out of bounds. Yeah. yeah. Back to Dicker for a second. You know, uh, of course, that was a Gus Johnson call from that OU uh, win that they had when he when he made the field goal, mm-hmm. and Gus is like, Dicker. The kicker, you know, and how much have they milked that since then? Because I don't, I, I listened to some of that te- uh, Texas game, and and they must have said Dicker the kicker well ten times. I, uh, <laughs> as is my habit, I had the TV on mute and was watching a sitcom. Okay, uh, with the second word of which is creek. So all yeah. right, multi. Uh, gotcha. Okay. <laughs> John Longhorns. I just don't trust them. Yeah, I mean it's, you know, that's that's I, sort of the the uh, the fallback. I mean, you, you can't help but not trust. Yeah, them. I mean, I've watched them a lot since two thousand nine. The last time they were really good, mm-hmm. they they just never to me put together a complete team. They have there's always some big flaw somewhere, you know, and and they don't win big games. And maybe that will change, like you said, uh, Ellinger. I mean, he's to me, he's like Charlie Brewer. He's he's a really great leader. Just will do what he has to do. Uh, but man, that defense, uh, it doesn't look that good to me. <laughs> I mean, I uh, I would still take Oklahoma over Texas. Gotcha. 
Now, uh, I wanted to point out something interesting from the end of that Oklahoma, I mean, that Texas Tech-Texas game. Okay. Because it goes back to the Baylor-Texas Tech game from last year Mm -hmm. when uh, Sir Roderick Thompson broke away for a 32-yard touchdown, Mm -hmm. right? And and a play, well, I'm not going to go into it, but he scores scores a 32-yard touchdown, right? Okay. And Tech goes ahead. Right. Right, with like uh, a minute to play, right? If Sir Roderick Thompson, say, slides down on the five-yard line, Tech takes another 30, 45 seconds off the clock and then scores that touchdown. Mm, Tech yeah. probably wins the game. Right? Sure. Saturday, Tech is up eight points. So Roderick Thompson breaks away and scores like a 70, 75 yard touchdown, right? Mm. I think it's maybe a 70 yard touchdown. If he slides down at the 20 yard line or the 15 yard line and they take another minute off the clock and then score, or even if they don't score, just trap Texas in that end. Texas probably doesn't win the game. uh, Here's what I say about that. You can't ever, ever tell a kid, don't score a touchdown. I mean, uh, because... But if you were Texas Tech, how many breakaway touchdowns would you let Sir Roderick Thompson score to be followed by an overtime loss? How many times is too many? But touchdowns are not guaranteed. So he could slide down, and then you could not score. Right, right. But in... In the Baylor situation, that's absolutely the case. That's right. that's no question, right? But you can't deny that if he slid down and they'd still score, they would have had a lot better chance to win the game mm-hmm. if they'd taken another 30 seconds off the clock. Yeah, I just don't think you could play football, live football that way. No, you can't. I agree. I totally agree. But Saturday, you're up eight points, right? That That's a little bit different scenario. Right, right. And now, and now you've had breakaway touchdowns. Again, in games that you weren't supposed to win, you were a decided underdog, and you scored breakaway touchdowns, and then followed by going to overtime and losing the game. I, you know what I, if I'm Thompson, you know what I'm saying is not I should be sliding down. I'm going over to my defensive guys and saying, "Can y'all stop somebody?" Well, I know. I but, mean, we but, got a friggin' lead. No, I know, but uh, Texas Tech has not had a good defense in a long time, probably right. since I was in school. Right? Yeah, okay. Wow. wow, that's a while. Sure. <laughs> But it's a wild gray beard. Right. No, I know, I know. <laughs> I graduated. My last game, or my last game as a student, was Spike Dyke's last game, nineteen ninety. Wow. Um, but there are lots of teams whose defenses get worn out at the end of the fourth quarter. Yeah. No, that's fair. Yeah. But uh, again, I, I don't think you can pin it on him scoring a touchdown. Well, I, 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 I'm just saying, at some point, you have to say, you know what? I think I might slide down this time. Well. Maybe. All right, so final question. You guys, as you know, uh, the Heisman Trophy is the most prestigious uh, trophy in college football as far far as an individual award. One of the most in sports, I would say. Um, I'm wondering what the award for the most disappointing player might be called. Um, I sort of struggled with this a little bit, and I, I, I... like briefly thought about calling it the Garrett Gilbert or the how about the Mandarich? trophy the what the Mandarich trophy the Mandarich well he was good in college yeah yeah, yeah. Um, Garrett Gilbert of course you remember him he was a Texas quarterback that was always kind of like eh, he liked to throw it to the other team yeah <laughs> um, well, maybe however, he didn't like to but he did it uh, you know Garrett Gilbert maybe he's a podcast watcher and I don't want to really you know disparage him too much mm. but a guy that we can all agree is terrible is Skip Bayless. 
I mean, that's universal. You ask 100 people on the street, is Skip Bayless terrible? And everybody's going to say yes. I think that's his job description. Yeah, be I think, terrible. I think Fox like, hired him and was like, he's on, he's on Fox, right? Like Fox. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I do not watch Skip. but like, Can you be terrible? Yeah. He's like, yeah, I got it. <laughs> I got it. <laughs> so, obviously, Skip didn't play college football, but I'm still calling this the, the Skip, Skip Bayless Award. Mm-hmm. And so, who's the Big 12 front runner? For the Skip Bayless Award. Well, I'm going to go with a guy who's actually not there but should be. Okay. Kennedy Brooks, Oklahoma running back. Yeah. Outstanding last year. Decided to opt out, mm-hmm. and which several guys have done. But does he know he's going to be like a real high draft pick? Uh, and, uh, you know, it seems like he – I think he made his decision maybe mid-August or something like that. I guess maybe – uh, the Big 12 still hadn't quite decided what they were going to do. But still, I, I never like the idea of abandoning your teammates. Mm-hmm. I don't like it in bowl games. Uh, you know, I don't like it during a pandemic. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, that's my vote. Kennedy Brooks. Okay. Can I go with a coach instead of a player? Sure. Okay, I'll go with Les Miles. Les Miles. Just, I mean, and, and for no other – no other harsh of a reason, and this is harsh enough, but first two years you're 0-2 against Coastal Carolina. That's, that's pretty bad. Mm. Mm. Yeah, and, uh, and certainly, um, we, you know, we talked about Kansas last week on the podcast with Benton Smith of, of the Lawrence World Journal. Um, I couldn't remember if it was Journal World or World Journal. Uh, Wynn can edit that. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, he thought that uh, Les is certainly recruiting better um, mm. than, than previous coaches they've had in recent years, but we certainly haven't seen it on the field yet. It hasn't, it hasn't led to any results. Um, so, and this is what, year th- three or two? This is year two. two. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, and you, and you guys can definitely, you know, but – LSU, kind of his game plan was to go out athlete people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Well, yeah. How, how are you going to do that? At Kansas. Yeah. Yeah, Kansas is not LSU. Right. Unless you're talking basketball. Uh, so my Skip Bayless Award front runner right now would be uh, Brock Purdy, the Iowa State quarterback. Um, a guy that was really sort of hyped as – like a guy can be hyped as underrated so much that he becomes overrated – uh, and, and I feel like that's Brock Purdy. Um, he's got one touchdown on the season. They did win that game against TCU the other day, but he made one of the worst interceptions you could possibly make. Uh, TCU's trying to wrap him up for a sack, and he just decides to fling it to a, to a TCU guy who had a walk-in touchdown. I mean, it was the easiest touchdown of his life, and, uh, and literally all the tweets after that was were uh, – what is Brock Purdy thinking? <laughs> you know, um, so you know, Purdy, you need to well, you know, step your act. Up. He wears red and yellow. He plays in the Midwest. Maybe he's trying to make a Mahomes play. Oh, well, there you go. He's no Mahomie. Yeah. No. <laughs>